Welcome to the messages of Cornerstone Anglican Church. To see ourselves as grasshoppers is to deny God's purpose for our lives. In this episode, Pastor Andrew unpacks how powerful we are with Jesus by our side. God is healing us at some very deep levels. And I'm watching sort of a parallel process of God healing us as individuals and God healing us as a church. And one of the elements of healing that is going on and needs to go on is a sense of unworthiness. What have we to offer? And that comes out of the containment of abuse. It's like we are manipulated to a point of understanding that we really have nothing to offer. And that's not true. And I remember one of the early sermons I gave at the old church. And I asked this question, who told you you were grasshoppers? Now, there was part of a sermon that talked about when Israel was at Kadesh Barnea in the wilderness, God told them to choose 12 spies to go into the land, to suss out the land, so that they would be ready to go in and take it. So instead of the spies coming back and saying, wow, you know, it's ready to go, they came back in great fear and trepidation that yes, there was a land flowing with milk and honey, but there were giants in the land. And we saw ourselves as grasshoppers before them. And the key words there is we saw ourselves. Not that the giants saw us as grasshoppers, but that we saw ourselves as grasshoppers. And in that very thought, the nation was defeated. That very concept of themselves defeated them and separated them from their God and from his command for them to take the land, their land. A land that he had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. A land that he had prepared them for, grown them for, multiplied them for, and here they stood at the threshold of taking what God had promised and what God was able to deliver, they stood afraid. They stood unworthy, They stood inadequate. And only two of the spies 
ascertained that they could do it. Joshua and Caleb. The other ten brought such a bad report that the leadership wanted to fire Moses and God and go back to Egypt. And then God turns up really esteemed. And as a result, we knew that they walked for 40 years through the wilderness until every one of that generation had died. You know what Joshua and Caleb did in those 40 years? They took over the Sunday school. They began to train a new generation so that when they came back to the entrance into the promised land again, they were going to take it. And some 40 years later, Caleb's 80. Who's 80 plus? Are you ready to take the land? Are your muscles really rippling? That's what Caleb said. He said, I am stronger than I was 40 years ago. At 80. I'm stronger than I was when I was 40. How we see ourselves can defeat us because we're more than we think that we are. And the past and what it's implanted, what it's ingrained, what it has hurled at us, how it has overwhelmed us, can so affect how we see ourselves that in the very thoughts we are defeated. But I want to tell you this. We are not grasshoppers. We are no longer unworthy. We are not inadequate. That whatever the battle that is before us, we are more than ready for. Our muscles are rippling in our arms. We are more than powerful in Jesus Christ. God whispered to me the other night in the middle of a battle, I want you to tell my people who I am. I paused, not that I didn't want to do that, but how do you even begin to do that? What is God getting at? Which part are you, God? And then it struck me. Our God is not a namby-pamby God. He's not a pushover. He's seriously not inadequate. He's not impersonal. He actually deeply cares for the people on this planet to the extent that he gave his only begotten. that we would not perish, but have eternal life. Our Christian culture and scholarship 
has wanted to so emphasize God as love or this loving God or what a loving God would or would not do that we've almost made him a non-entity, a namby-pamby God who just doesn't get involved where the nitty-gritty happens, where the real pain is going on. And the scriptures are decimated by scholars who have this angst against a God who just might call to account evil. It might bring judgment upon evil. And those who want to hold on evil and implement it to its nth degree. That is not our God. Our God cares. He is not impotent. He's not limited by this physical universe that we live in. He goes beyond anything that we possibly can consider to make sure that his love, his true love, is implemented and true love has to deal with evil. And so he calls us to account. We have a God who so loves us that is willing to give himself to us. Not that we can then merely do what we like. Not that we can call unrighteousness righteousness. The prophets tell us, well, is the day when righteousness is considered unrighteousness and unrighteousness is considered righteousness. And yet we have a Christian world and a world beyond it rampant in wanting to make us think that sin is just an aberration, that things God in his word have considered to be wrong are just a misunderstanding, that we allow sin to be rampant because our God is a God of love. But how can a God of love allow evil to be rampant? You know how many people don't come to church because they believe that God just did not care when things went really wrong. I remember driving my motorbike through Newtown in Sydney back in my atheist days. I drove past this bus. Then there was this great kerfuffle behind me. I got down to Sydney University and heard this police siren. This policeman on a motorbike didn't go past. He stopped so He said, pull over, driver. So I pulled over, got off the bike, and he said, if you just come through this street in Newtown, I said, yeah. He says, do you know you ran over somebody? I says, what? Surely on a bike you would know if you've run over somebody. Car, you might actually do it and not realise it. 
He said, yeah, I got witnesses. They got your rego number. They got your description. You ran over this guy and broke his leg. And so he took me back to the police station. But as I was getting back on the bike to do that, I had this thought. There is no justice in the universe. I was by myself. I was about to go to prison for hitting somebody and running and there was no hope. And so we got back to the police station and big burly sergeant said, why did you run, son? And I said, well, I didn't know I'd hit anybody. <laughs> they were aggro. So I'm really stressed to the hilt. And then this detective comes into the room and says, why don't everybody just settle down for a minute? So he sat down and said, tell me what happened. I said, well, I was driving my bike past this bus, heard this sort of honking noise, and then this bike went screaming past me. He says, yes, we've got witnesses who saw the other bike. You didn't hit the guy. And I thought, wow, okay. I actually didn't get booked for anything. But you know what I didn't do? I did not think maybe there was justice in the universe. Because I didn't believe in God. We have an awesome God who is alive and well. He hasn't forgotten us. He hasn't deserted us. We were not alone in those events where we really felt we were deserted. And he cries to us that I have a love that you just haven't understood. So let me pull out a few words from Jesus here. These are the most stunning words that he has said. In the concept of a loving God wouldn't allow this, a loving God wouldn't have a hell, a loving God wouldn't be this, and that sort of namby-pamby sense of love that we want God to be, because we just want the world to be all right. And I agree. I would love the world to be all right. Would you love the world to be all right? Yeah, absolutely. But it's not. And if we're going to be effective in doing something about that, then we've got to get our God right. We've got to get our understanding of God right. And we've got to see that he's more righteous than we ever thought he was. Stronger and mighty than we ever knew he was. And he's not putting up with evil. Evil will have its day, but to only a certain extent. So here in Luke 12, verse 49 onwards, Jesus said, I have come to bring fire on earth, and how I wish it was already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and what constraint I am under until it is completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, division. And division in the closest of relationships. Father against son. 
son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. What on earth is Jesus saying here? Didn't the angels declare when they announced his coming, peace on earth? Isn't he really the Lord of peace? Isn't that what he came to bring? It confounds us, doesn't it? And maybe it challenges that we just might not quite have nailed God in the right way yet. He's not impotent. He seriously is not uncaring. He holds human beings and angelic beings to account. It means we have to give account. But you know, as I've watched and listened to some of my team pray, they always bring the cross in. They hold the cross out there. And that is really powerful. Because despite whatever Jesus is really saying here, he says, I have a baptism to undergo and I'm in constraint until it's completed. He's about to go to the cross. So if you say, where is the love of God? There it is on the cross. And what that does is offer us full impact of that love. Full enclosure in that love. Full security in that love. Everything in us that rages against the love and righteousness of God is dealt with in the cross. So that we can come into the presence of his love, in the presence of his joy, in the presence of his glory, totally forgiven. Totally forgiven. Not one element of what we've done wrong is untouched by the cross. By the love of this God. But let's not misrepresent his love in thinking that it just ignores unrighteousness evil, terrorism, abuse. His love does not ignore it. And those who love to do those things will be brought to account. One of the difficulties of following Jesus is it will always cost something. And it can cost you your friendship. It can cost you family relationships. Not so much that they sever it, but put a strain on them. Those who have non-Christian family members, do you feel the strain often? Especially if religion is brought up. Because Jesus didn't come to bring peace. Why didn't he? We would just love peace. We would really, really love it. But at what price? How do you bring peace? If we don't agree to being part of the process, 
how do you bring peace? If we want to stick to our ideas, if we want to stay in our unrighteous concepts, how does God bring peace? I think peace can come. But it won't come instantly. It'll only come as we allow him to transform us. That we engage him for who he is, for what he is. That we engage his commands and do them. That we love what he loves and hate what he hates. Woo, hold on. We're not supposed to hate, are we? You read the Psalms? God hates evil. Why? Because evil is so destructive. It destroys almost everything. It manipulates almost everything. God wants us involved in what he's doing because he has made us worthy to do it. Our muscles are rippling in our arms. It really doesn't matter how old you are. Some of the most powerful outreach programs on this planet have been done by grandparents. David Wilkerson's mother had begged him to start an outreach for the hippies in Haight-Ashbury. And he refused. He said, they're just rich kids, just out on a spree. So she and one of her other friends started the Lost Coin coffee shop, which was down in a basement. And all these hippies would come in and listen to gospel music and to the word of God. God has a gender for us that we're worthy to do and we're ready to go. And we're going to trip over it whether we like it or not. And we're going to have to decide whether we're going to be like Caleb and say, I'm stronger than I was 40 years ago. We are not grasshoppers. And I just love for you to get a hold of who God really is. Because the moment we do that, we do not have to stand afraid ever. Winky Prattney was a youth evangelist back in the 1990s. Talks about his mum, who was a gift wrapper in a large department store. And as she was wrapping gifts, she would say, have you ever thought of the greatest gift of all, the birth of Jesus Christ? And she would preach as she rapped and preach as she rapped. And then number three manager just got so riled at this woman. And he says, if you don't stop preaching, I will fire you. And she wasn't a tall woman, but she stood on her toes and said, if you try to do that, you will be fine. Didn't back down at all. 
So then this manager starts complaining to number two manager about this patney woman. And number two manager says, if we lose her, I'll fire you. There you go, eh? And I remember in the days in King's Cross talking to the owner of a strip club. It was about six foot six, so I'm looking up. And I was just telling him about Jesus and getting into it, and he started telling me. And I got afraid. Big God. And then I realized I was afraid, and I said, God, I repent of being afraid. And then I got into him, and he started backing down. Whatever holds us aloof from the engagement that God wants us to have, we need to deal with. And we can deal with this on the basis that we have such an awesome God. And we are never alone when we're speaking in his name. Never alone. You don't have the angels, you have Jesus himself. And we need to walk into the sense that this God cares. And he cares about what we care about, but beyond what we care about. How many people do you think you walk past and you know he cares about every one of them? And you never know. Today, tomorrow, might be the day that you bump into them. And you're going to stand there in God, in the fullness of his spirit, with your muscles rippling, and you're going to bring to them a sense of the kingdom of God and our God who reigns and who reigns mightily. We are not unworthy. We are not contained. We are not inadequate. We are more than enough to win the battle and bring the purpose of God into its fullness. Let's pray. Jesus, you know that we love peace. But help us that we will not allow peace to hold us back from being effective in you and fulfilling your purpose. Help us to be gentle and loving, but also forthright about your kingdom, about who you are and what you've done for them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to hear more great messages from Pastor Andrew, check out our Facebook page or look us up on the net at cornerstone-church.com.au.